Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You guys, you guys, this is not a drill. This is not a drill. We are getting the burlesque stage musical. Wagon wheel Watusi. Oh my God, did you hear? Did you hear? Did you hear? Oh my God, guys. Jake has a podcast. Jake has a podcast. Oh my God, Jake has a podcast. What's up, everybody? My name is Jake Workman, and this is Oh My Pod, You Guys, a musical theater and pop culture podcast. You guys, this week I was so lucky to be able to see the beautiful off-Broadway production of Little Shop of Horrors for the second time, but this time was extra special because my dear friend Teddy Udane made his Seymour debut. He's usually in the show as the incredible puppeteer artiste of Audrey II, and he also plays a million other roles, but... I got to see him go on as Seymour. It was amazing. And it was also the penultimate performance of Joy Woods as Audrey. And you guys, she killed it. It was phenomenal. I mean, per usual. And a very special friend of mine from my childhood, Mr. Jeffrey Sears, was on as Orin the Dentist. And Jeff played the music man when I played Winthrop at, I think, 11 years old. So it was just like this crazy full circle moment of like all these people in my life, like, from different areas and, and like times in my life all on stage together in New York City in this beautiful show. If you haven't seen it, run to the West Side Theater. It's stunning. And congrats to everybody in the show and congrats to Teddy. I just love you all. And with that, you guys, we got to dive right into this week's Broadway World Recap brought to you by my amazing friends at BroadwayWorld.com because mama, there is a lot going on in the world of Broadway. First, you guys, we have to talk about Melissa Etheridge's one-woman show officially opening on Broadway at the Circle in the Square Theater. You guys, Melissa Etheridge is on Broadway! And you guys, my dear friend, Miss Rebecca McBee, makes her Broadway debut as production stage manager for the show. Can you believe? Imagine your Broadway debut running the show and it's with (laughs) Melissa Etheridge? Like, what the hell? I cannot wait to see this show. So congratulations to Melissa on your Broadway debut and congratulations McBee on your Broadway debut as PSM. Next, you guys, we just got a Broadway world first look at the cast of Stephen Sondheim's final musical, Here We Are, playing at The Shed. The show is currently in previews with an opening night set for October 22nd and the show is only gonna run for 15 weeks. 
I can confidently say that this is not one to miss. The show is directed by two-time Tony Award winner Joe Mantello, and you guys, listen to this cast. It features Francois Batiste, Tracy Bennett, Bobby Cannavale, Michaela Diamond, Amber Gray, Jin Ha, Rachel Bay Jones, Dennis O'Hare, Stephen Pasquale, David Hyde Pierce, and Jeremy Seamus. Obviously, you guys, they knew that for Stephen Sondheim's final musical that they are working on posthumously, they had to knock it out of the park with this casting, but I believe that they have outdone themselves, and I cannot wait to see the show. Next, you guys, Broadway World just announced that Tony nominee Will Swenson will play his final performance as Neil Diamond in A Beautiful Noise, the Neil Diamond musical, in just a few short weeks on October 29th. Will is quoted saying, it's been the thrill of a lifetime to get to stand in Neil's shoes. And I can honestly say, after seeing his performance as Neil Diamond, you guys don't want to miss it. So run to the Broadhurst Theater on 44th Street to catch Will Swenson in A Beautiful Noise before he finishes his amazing run on October 29th. And next, you guys, in a sad bit of Broadway news, we just got the announcement that Some Like It Hot will close this December 30th. By the time the show closes, they will have been playing at the Schubert Theater for over a year for a total of 483 performances, which is honestly an amazing feat for any production. But this show was the most Tony-nominated and awarded show of the 2022-2023 season. So it kind of goes to show that this is showbiz. Emphasis on the biz. They are gearing up to launch a national tour in 2024 and a following production on the West End in 2025. So that makes me wonder if, you know, financially, it's just more beneficial for them to close the commercial production on Broadway and bring it across the country so that they can make money in that way from new markets. But of course, it's always just a bummer when any show has to close, especially one as beautiful and just positive and happy as this. So congratulations to everyone in the show. You, dear listener, can catch them for 13 more weeks at the Schubert Theater in New York. And lastly, you guys, I cannot even believe that I get to share this information. It was just announced that Christina Aguilera has confirmed that she is producing the stage adaptation of Burlesque. You guys, I have been saying for years that there needs to be a burlesque stage musical. It's perfect. It's going to work perfectly on Broadway. But the fact that Christina herself is producing it, y'all, you know it's going to be good. You know! They have confirmed that it is set to debut in the UK in the, quote, near future. And the stage show is going to be written by the film's director, Stephen Anton, and Kate Weatherhead. And not only are we getting reprises of the original songs from the movie, but we are getting new music written by Jess Foley and my dear Todrick Hall. You guys, this is going to be so good. And let me tell you, there are some large shoes to fill. Not only Christina Aguilera's in the leading role, but... Cher, Stanley Tucci, Alan Cumming, Kristen Bell. I mean, that movie had a stacked cast. I mean, Peter Gallagher, like, come on. So I think what an amazing opportunity for casting. This could be real good, y'all. So stay tuned because you know I'm going to have all of the casting updates as soon as they come out on broadwayworld.com. And you guys, this has been the Broadway World Recap. Oh my pod, you guys. I am so excited to welcome my next guest to the show. She is a bona fide Broadway diva. 
She also happens to be a fellow graduate of the Heart School. And I've been a fan of her for a million years. Please welcome the incredible Christine Dwyer. <laughs> Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited. Welcome. Thank you for being here. Can you tell the listeners where you are calling in from? I am calling in from my Midtown Manhattan apartment. I just got back after, gosh, I don't even know, like six six to eight weeks traveling around, teaching, performing, doing gigs for friends and all sorts of stuff. So I literally just got back maybe two two or three days ago. Uh, so I'm oh. finally home. So that's where I am, oh which is ex- very exciting. Yes. <laughs> you Didn't you say you went to Canada? I did, yeah. So um, two of my very good friends um, who used to live in the city have since uh, moved to eastern Canada. That's where one of them is from. His name is Tony Lepage. If any of you have seen um, Come From Away on Apple Plus, he is in that. Um, oh, my God. And, yes, and his wife, um, Courtney Lepage, uh, formerly Courtney Hammond, was a casting director here in New York City at Wojcik Sea Casting. And they have since moved and are starting this amazing um, theater company in Eastern Canada. So they had their f- uh, initial launch last summer and we went and we did a concert and then they invited us back again. And so, yeah, we were there hanging out with friends and kind of helping them promote their new um, theatrical venture, which is so fun and super cool. And it's going to be amazing. I can't wait for people to Love. hear about it. Yeah. Oh my God, that's so exciting. So you ha- yeah. did you um, like perform with them out there or were you just there to be like a guest? Yeah, so it's called Broadway by the Sea, and it um, it it's sort of like a we t- we we do like a master class first. We go there and um, we do a master class with the local kids, and then we put on a concert um, to to promote kind of what they're doing with all local New Brunswick talent. So our entire band, all of the um, backup singers, young young hopeful professionals, um, all get to sing with. Broadway people and kind of get something that they don't normally get there. You know, Eastern Canada doesn't really have any kind of theatrical venues that people go to, especially like sure. having been on tour for as many times as I have. You you go to Western Canada, you go to Central Canada, but Eastern Canada is just kind of, they don't have anything like that. So they're trying to, to set that up there and it's gorgeous. The people are amazing. I mean, if you ever get a chance to go to New Brunswick, I highly recommend it. It's one of the most beautiful places I've ever been with the nicest people. And yeah, so we do a master class and then we end the week with with a big um, concert and a, about 2,500 New Brunswickers and other people from from the surrounding areas come and support us. And it was a huge success this year. And I, I hope that it continues to be something that, that people know about. Broadway by the Sea, you should look it up. It's awesome. Fantastic. That's amazing. I can't wait to look it up and, and find out more. And I'm so excited to obviously ask you about, you You know, you mentioned it, how, how you've toured all over the country and, you know, in Canada and everything. But um, before I ask you about your illustrious career, um, <laughs> I want to ask just about your upbringing. I know that you are an East Coast girly through and through. You grew I up, am. I think, outside of Boston. Yes. Yeah. And then uh, eventually made your way to the Hart School in Hartford, Connecticut. <laughs> I did. I, I, I stayed. I stayed around. Um, <laughs> you know. I love uh, it. Yeah. I, I I grew up in Linfield, Massachusetts, which is a suburb of Boston, about twenty minutes outside um, on on the North Shore. Um, and I, 
I did theater when I, you know, kind of in school, public school system, but um, I didn't really, I didn't really know that I could even make it a career until I got to high school and I started looking at colleges and I couldn't, I couldn't think of anything else that I wanted to really study further. I mean, I love writing and I love that. I, I and I wanted to make sure that I went to a school where I was able to do more than just theater. But, um, mm -hmm. yeah, I started doing my research really when I was like 16, 17 with my mom. And, um, and I kind of went from doing my public school plays to then pursuing it at, at heart and, um, felt super behind everyone else because there were so many people that went to performing arts schools and everything. And I didn't <laughs> <Yes>. do that. <laughs> I didn't do that, mm -hmm. but, um, I'm actually really grateful that I, that I didn't cause I think it, it worked for me better to, to just have other interests, especially in this career that can be so fickle, um, yeah. as we've all learned oh in the past, you know, few years when everything's <laughs> shut down, you're like pulling on all the ropes to figure out what to do. And, yeah. um, I was grateful for, for heart, uh, for allowing me to, to study multiple different things and be around people who weren't only interested in theater, but had, you know, multiple interests that I could really learn from. So that was kind totally. of my journey. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely feel a similar way about my experience at heart because it's so much more than just theater. I mean, it is you know like this like teeny tiny little campus in in Hartford, but there's so many different things that people are there for. And I, like you said, I mean, like when in researching programs, I was just like, okay, where is like halfway close to the city, and where has like a good musical theater program? And then it, I was lucky enough to find that you know working with with the kids in the music department and like the dance division and outside of the arts in general, like there were people for business and for nursing and for whatever. So like getting that experience was, I felt it was really um, sort of like a well-rounded like yeah. whole experience for, yeah. for learning. Yeah, I felt, I felt the same way. I felt the same way. And, um, and they have great programs there. Their physical therapy pro program is amazing. Like you said, their nursing yes. program and, and a lot of those students, I don't know if you found this cause I don't, I, I, I know that the campus is quite different from when I was there. Um, mm -hmm. but, but I, we were like always on the same schedule as the like nursing and physical therapy majors because you know we, we all had like like 16 hours of class a day and then they of would have course. to go to their labs at night and we would have to go to our rehearsals and like uh -huh. <laughs> it was cool to like to, to be around people who were who had to be like as focused as we did but for an entirely different thing and I, be, right. I just have... found that I became friends with a lot of them and it was really really cool totally so you had your you mentioned your mom but like what what was um your like sort of like familial background like in terms of the arts did you always have like art and music around you or were you the one who was like I'm the artist <laughs> uh I would say I am the one that made it a career but music was always very very present in my household um mm. my my dad was was very much into the classic rock thing so I got into that at a young age and then my mom was sort of into like the crooner like Nat King Cole, you know, mm. th like that that type of thing, um, like Ella Fitzgerald. So we always yes. had a lot of music around um, and eclectic music, I think, uh, which was really important. And and my mom loved theater. She went to her first play, I think when she was 23 years old, it was One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And she had said pretty much since then, she was like enamored by theater. Um, and well, what a first show to see, my God. Yeah. 
Yeah, right? I'm like, and that, that made you want to go back? Like, yikes. It's a little lighthearted <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Just like, you know, subject matter that's fluff. Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so she went to that. And when I was when I was younger, I was kind of all over the place, like severe ADD and was just couldn't couldn't really I couldn't be trusted to like sit in a seat <laughs> for a long period of time <laughs> sure. so my mom wanted to introduce me to theater and she brought me to the North Shore Music Theater when I was five years old to see Cinderella and she tells the story where like she sat she sat us in the back right next to the exit in case like I started <laughs> getting distracted and she didn't want to like distract other people and she said that I, I from the second that it started I didn't say a word I was just like totally I mean, I was, I was enthralled and mm-hmm. at the end of it, she, she was like, did you like it? Did you, you weren't saying anything. And I, I was five and I was like, I think I want to be up there. I want to do that. And my wow. mom was like, that's cute. And yeah. then obviously like years later, it was kind of the thing that, that made me focus. And I think even, even sometimes it, it, it still is, I mean, it's, it's still the thing that I come back to whether I'm teaching or 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 seeing things or creating things with other people or or auditioning it it is it's one of the only things that can really keep me <laughs> grounded and focused yeah. sometimes and it's been that way since I was 5 I guess so that wow. was kind of my introduction into it know. That sweet little five-year-old would go on to have this fucking insane <laughs> career little did she know that all that money that she spent later would would, would pay off I guess I guess it would did pay finally, off yes <laughs> I mean, it sure did. I have to tell you, I <laughs> I have been such a fan of yours for so long. Obviously, like through my time at heart, everyone, there are those people who have graduated from the program and have gone on to do amazing, beautiful things. And you are one of them. And so anytime anyone, you know, talked about heart or, or the program, they would mention, you know, Christine Dwyer, Broadway's <laughs> Christine Dwyer, the Elphaba. <laughs> and I have to tell you, there was a day, this is a true story. There was a day where I was standing in the backstage cafe. Ever heard of it? Um, And it was, we were eating lunch between, we had like probably eight minutes or something between classes. So naturally, it was time for me to um, listen to your Defiant Gravity. So I'm standing in the backstage cafe and there are these like pendant lights all like over every table. And you hit the last note and I you know, had a natural homosexual response, which was to <laughs> fling my hand up in the air like the Hamilton punch pose. And I punched the light <laughs> above the table and it shattered all over my friend Nathan. Shout out, Nathan Thomas. Shattered <laughs> into his salad. Oh, no. And then I had to um, get a broom and dustpan and sweep it up. All thanks to Christine Dwyer. <laughs> so you can take that to the bank. You had effects far further than just the Gershwin. I can tell you that. Oh my God. That is incredible. Incredible. Um, <laughs> well, you know what? I would, I would offer, I would offer to pay them to fix the light, but honestly, I, I think I, I, I gave them enough money for the four years. You surely did. <laughs> Absolutely. We all did. They can, they can afford one shattered light. Thanks to pretty, those vocals. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm pretty, pretty sure that my, that my class, uh, allowed them to afford that cafe because we didn't have that cafe when we were there. So I feel yeah. fine about that. That's my mark. Exactly. That's my mark. 
<laughs> well, obviously, I can't wait to, to ask you about Wicked and, and your sort of like extensive experience with that show. But first, I want to know about your very first national tour that you did, Rent, as Maureen, the iconic role. <laughs> what was it like to be fresh out of school and book your first national tour? Honestly, I mean, I, I was... Like I said, I, I, I tend to not be as, as focused as other people. So when I graduated, um, I wasn't I was a little bit burnt out on musical theater after being there for four years. And I wasn't sure I needed a break. I didn't want to move to New York right away. I wasn't ready. Um, and so I took a, a road trip with my best friend to L.A., um, actually, to live with Kyle Brand, who we both know, um, yes. and I, I, I lived, I lived with him and his family, and we did, we created a show that we performed um, at at a theater on the on like the Hollywood Boulevard or whatever. It was insane. But while I was out there, um, another Hart grad, Douglas Lyons, who is a good friend of mine as well, friend um, of the pod, friend of the pod, he didn't want me to give up, um, and he he didn't want me to take a break. He wanted me to really go for it, and so he pretended to be my agent, and sent when you used to send cover letters and headshot and like headshots and everything wasn't online. And he sent my headshot and resume in with a cover letter saying that I should be that I should audition for the national tour of Rent because he had already done it. He had left school and did it for a year, and then he came back. Um, he called me. I was still in California. He was like, "Hey, you have an audition um, for Maureen in the national tour of Rent in two weeks, so you have to get back here and do that." I was like, "Okay." I went back. He came with me. It was me. He. We drove through New Haven. He was with his parents. We drove through New Haven, me and my mom. We picked him up. Um, we went to New York. I auditioned for Rent, and two weeks later, I was living at the Edison Hotel, and I was doing the show. Um, and it was all because of Doug and all because of his belief in me and the fact that he didn't want me to give up. So um, I owe wow. – I, I really do owe everything to him because that was Telsey, and then that that's what got me – to Wicked and 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 waitress and everything, so much of my career is because because of him and because of that, um, him just not letting me give up. So, yeah, Rent was like Rent was the musical for me that got me into this. I mean, it was the musical that you know at night I would turn. I had this like lava lamp and I would turn off all the lights and I have the lava lamp and I would perform the entire musical. I mean, I loved it so much. I loved every single character. I I I loved the sentiment I I just I, I could still recite that show backwards and forwards every single word absolutely and and to to be honest it is like it, I never got tired of doing it I could and even now I could do that show I could do that show again I mean I'd be a little old but I could do that show again <laughs> forever I just I think it's so special and it was such a it was such a special moment in my life um not only because it was the show that got me into musical theater, but I mean, I'm still on a text chain with all of the people that I did that show with. And, you know, we, we went on the, on tour in 2007, we had a 17 year old that was on tour with us under studying angel. Like it was such a crazy, unbelievable experience. And that show means so much to so many people. And I learned so much about the history of, of the AIDS crisis that I didn't know. And, um, Mm -hmm. 
you know, I, what was really, really special about it is right before we left to do tech, the Life Cafe was still around. Unfortunately, it's closed now, but it, it wow. was still around. And his family, his father, who has since passed but was a lovely man, his father, um, a bunch of his best friends, uh, and his sister, I believe, all, they rented out the Life Cafe to us, and we went in. And we all got food, we all got wine and beer, and we watched home movies of him making the, the musical. That of nobody Jonathan. Of Jonathan. And when you actually, if you watch um, Tick, Tick, Boom, a lot, a lot of the shots that they have of Andrew Garfield are, are legitimately, they are taken directly from the home movies that he used to make. He used to set up a camera and record himself coming up with these things so that he wouldn't forget and a lot of those shots in that movie are literally directly shots that I was lucky enough to to watch with his father, yeah, and watch him like wow. create this masterpiece. And then like sometimes he would get distracted and he would get on the phone and he would be talking to someone about whatever. And like <laughs> it was just it was such an. I mean, I knew that it was cool then, but now that I have even more perspective, like how incredible that experience was, and how special it was to be around his loved ones to know that every single person in the life support um uh part of the show all of those Mm -hmm. names are his friends who passed every single one of them is a real person um and and it was just i mean i i wish that he had i wish that he was still around because i just think that he was one of the most brilliant like feeling artists of our time and I think he would have done incredible things and just the fact that I got to be a part of that original concept of that production and meet his family and meet his friends and see those things and be a part of the Life Cafe and you know at the time Adam Pascal and Anthony Rapp were back in the show on Broadway and and they we went we were all invited to go see the show and then they came out afterwards and talked to us about their experience before we went on the road and it was just like it really, I'm still mind blown that mind blown that I got to do it. I mean, honestly, yeah. I, it was so special. The group that we had out there was so special, and and doing that show every night and speaking those words and singing the "I'll Cover You" reprise and Ugh. and no day but today at the end. I mean, it's just like it, it's it's so special, and it's it mm-hmm. and it's a show about community and helping each other and going through hard times and and figuring out how to be there for each other anyways and that you know no matter what happens no matter what rifts in your relationship happen over the years that like you still have this deep love for each other and this deep sense of community and friendship which I think sometimes is really lacking (laughs) now so it's (laughs) nice maybe a little so it's nice (laughs) to like to to just have that experience and to have been able to tell that story and um about about good people trying to do good things and trying to help each other. I just think it was totally. it's an incredible show, and I would I'll never get sick of listening to it. I'll never get sick of singing it, and I would do it again in a heartbeat. Honestly, love it. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now you wanna get mixed up in the family business? Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And I mean, there must be, there must be some sort of Maureen to Elfie pipeline because you <laughs> and so many people like you have done those two iconic <laughs> female yeah. roles. So how long was it between closing Rent and starting your journey with Wicked? Well, my journey, my, my like audition journey started while I was um, in rehearsals for Rent because it was Telsey who uh, auditioned me for Rent and then ultimately ended up, you know, bringing me on to do that job. I was in rehearsals. Um, we were just about to finish the show, just about to go do tech, and they invited me in to audition for Alphaba at 10 a.m., um, which we... It was a non-equity tour, so we started rehearsals at 8, and uh-huh. 10 a.m. was our lunch break. And so I went at 10 a.m. to go uh, to run to Telsey, which I didn't even know where it was. I went to the wrong place first and then ended up in the right place. <laughs> um, went in, and I was so tired and so stressed and so nervous that I, I mean, when I tell you I cracked worse than I've ever cracked in my life on the end of oh Defying God. Gravity, <laughs> like, to the point where in the middle of it, I started laughing. I was like, ah, like, I mean, it was bad. And I started laughing and I just apologized. And I was like, I'm sorry, that was not my best. And they were like, we understand you've been in rehearsal. Don't worry about it. And I was like, great. And they were like, but that's all we need to see. Thanks. And I was like, well, there goes that dream, you know, yeah. whatever. I was like, oh, well. Um, and then uh, Bernie Telsey actually came to see our production of Rent when we were, I can't remember, we were somewhere in New Jersey, and um, he came to see it, and he came up to me after the show, and he was like, just by the way, don't worry about your first audition for Alphaba, we're going to bring you in again. I was like, okay. And got back from Rent, and it was about, I mean, like, probably a year later, I started auditioning again um, for that show, and I think overall, I auditioned for that show 17 times. Two dance, oh. call, two dance callbacks included before I got the understudy, the second cover on the second national tour. Okay. Um, so it was about a like three and a half year audition process. Um, and I was in Wicked about two and a half years after I ended Rent. So it was wow. kind of insane. But, um, but and yeah. Like, is then, there a point where you're like, couldn't we be done? Like, yeah, it was my last audition. <laughs> the last audition that I had, I was like, I'm not going to audition for the show anymore. It's breaking my heart. I want to be in it so bad. It's a right. dream, and I can't, I can't do this to myself anymore. It just must not. I, I there's something about me that they don't like, and huh. and then that was kind of the moment. I honestly think that I went in with more confidence because yeah. I went in. and I was just like fuck it. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? Like, take it or leave I'm, it. Yeah. <laughs> take I'm me done. Or leave I, yeah, exactly. Like I've done, I've done what I can do. I don't know what more I can do. I'm just going to go in and I'm going to, I'm going to do my best, but the, I think this has to be my final time going in. And that was when I booked mm-hmm. it. 
Wow. So, yeah, it was pretty and crazy. And so then you went from doing an onstage ensemble track understudy Elphaba to the standby to then yep. the full-time Elphaba, all on yes. that same tour. Yes. Unreal. Yes. Yeah, for about almost four years I was on that on the road consistently, and I did... Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. I did like 11 months as the understudy in the ensemble, and then I was fortunate enough. Um, you know, I don't know how, how they kind of do it now. It doesn't seem to be like this anymore, but at the time, it, it really was like they would start you in the ensemble, then they would move you to the standby, then they would move you to the role so, to uh-huh. like make sure that you could do it, because obviously it's one of the hardest roles ever in musical theater. Yeah. So um, I just, I got lucky enough that the timing worked out um, that they were moving the standby up to the role, who is Ann Brummel, and they moved me up to her track. And um, and then when I wanted to, I wanted to be considered to play it full time, they had asked me to stay on as the standby for another year. And I said, well, I'll stay on as the standby for another year if there is a potential for me to move up into the role. They mm-hmm. said that there wasn't. So I left. And then two months later, I was back on the road playing Alphabet. <laughs> so sometimes, wow. sometimes so you got to like stand up for yourself. Steve Meyer has just figured it out and said, I you don't know, know what, fuck it. If I, if I don't get it this time, I'm not doing it. And they said, oh, wait, 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 come back. Come wait, back. wait, wait, actually, never mind. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, you know, like, I mean, I think it's, it's, it's not just true of that production. That happens a lot. I mean, I, I know a lot of similar stories for all, all of those big shows, the Les, the Les yeah. and the Phantoms and all of those that totally. you do kind of have to say, like, okay, I have to take a leap now of faith and if it doesn't work out I did my best but I know that I'm not going to be I knew that I wanted to take that credit and move back to New York and try to use that to then further my career and if it wasn't going to be playing the role full time then maybe it would be something else because I've yeah. I now have this on my resume and whatever um, totally then of course that all changed and I went back to being on the road and then uh, left after a year of playing Elphaba I left and uh, a few months later, I got a call that um, they wanted me to come in and be the standby for Lindsay Mendez, and that would mm-hmm. be my Broadway debut. And I was like, absolutely. I, I didn't care about playing. I honestly, after like playing the role, it was so hard that I was like, I would love to be the standby again. Yeah. That, is the, <laughs> that is the track. You get to yeah. go on. You get to go on for a great role, but you're never tired. And yeah. <laughs> and like it's it's always exciting and it always feels fresh I wouldn't say you're never tired it's still tiring but like I don't know I loved being the standby I had a blast um and I I got there uh, I had five days of rehearsal before they were gonna have me you know um be her standby and before I even made my Broadway debut I got a call that I would be taking over for her in four months at the end of her contract wow so it was pretty like you know, uh, before I even, I thought I was going to be the standby for a, for a year on Broadway, and I was thrilled. Yeah. And then they were like, "Oh no, yeah. actually, just kidding. You're going to be the standby for now, I and mean, then you're going to take over for her at the end of her contract." Ah! <laughs> oh my I'm, god! It was wild. I mean, it was a wild, wild experience. Um, yeah, and did, did that, it, and then I just kept coming back. Huge... <laughs> Hell yeah! So, so can you feel a huge difference between doing a role that hard? in one place on Broadway compared to having to do it in a new city every month? You know, I think what's, if it were a different show, I think it would be a lot easier to be on Broadway. However, 
the stage at the Gershwin is uh, is a raked stage. It's severely yep. raked, and the the tracking backstage traffic because you have to go down the stairs and through the stage, and you're and you're basically like off center the entire time. Mm-hmm. I actually found performing the role was harder on Broadway because wow. because you didn't have as much time, you didn't get as much water. Like on on the road, the stage is flat. And like before No Good Deed, you run off and you have the rest of that scene to take your water, to talk to people, to hang out, and then you run back on for No Good Deed. Same mm-hmm. with Defying Gravity. You take your time, you get to joke around with people, and then you run back on. on in the Broadway right. production, you are running for your life down yeah. <laughs> these stairs that you feel like at any point you could tumble and really, really hurt yourself through the orchestra just to run up another set of stairs and maybe uh, you get a sip of water before defying gravity. If, before if, literally climbing a ladder. Which I never did because there was one time that I tried to take a big gulp of water before defying gravity and I swallowed the wrong way. And I was like, okay, I'm never drinking water again. I'm going to have to figure out what to do and uh, how, to, how to get, because I was like just stressed out about that happening again. So my thing was um, my my dresser who's not there anymore but she's the best Kathy Mull anybody who's played Elphaba in the past 20 years pretty much knows Kathy Mull she is the best and um she is a queen and she she was like hey uh Adina used to have Sour Patch Kids so and it used to like create saliva in her mouth maybe you want to try that so that ended up becoming my thing where she would she would give me a couple of Sour Patch Kids as I was running down the stairs <laughs> so that it felt like I had drank water, which is insane to think about. It's insane. But, like, it worked, and that was my thing. And, um, yeah, so I think it's – it's. I loved being on the road doing that show because, because those are the people that can't afford to come to New York that have saved up all of their hard-earned money – to go see you do that show and yeah and I felt I felt like I was I was a little bit more able to to talk to people in the community and become a part of the community in a way that Broadway does it it is a community but it doesn't feel the same it's not exactly the same um right but yeah I mean I think sleeping in my own bed was great being able to have a routine in the morning was great being able to know like what kind of kitchen I had and what kind of like things that I had that part was easier but honestly the on stage tracking and the fact that you're on that rake in my opinion makes yeah. the broad the Broadway show a lot harder to do especially totally. when you think about like I mean Elphaba is obviously unbelievably difficult but watching those dancers do that choreography on that raked stage unbelievable is insane the insane. fact the fact and the fact that like some of them have been there almost since the beginning and mm-hmm. they're still doing it full out every night and like I recently, you know, went back when all the COVID stuff was happening and got to watch the show. And it's like, it's just, it's still, it's still as tight as ever. I mean, Mm -hmm. the people who are in that show care about it so deeply and care about telling that story so much. And I have to give a shout out to the ensemble who does it on the road and on Broadway, because that dance is no joke. Those costumes are heavy. They don't make any sense. They're off. Hell like, yeah. you know, that's the whole point. And Susan Hilferty is amazing. But like the fact that you yes. get to watch these dancers do that movement 
with those conditions on a rigged stage like that is like mm-hmm. mind blowing. I mean, they're well, and you. I mean, you especially know because you have the firsthand experience of having been in the ensemble before right. you right. did the Elphaba track. So like, right. It was it's hard crazy. enough to do it on a flat stage, but I yeah. like, I don't understand how they do it. I like literally don't get it. So but. did you did you feel beautiful in the green? Oh yeah. I mean, the makeup artists at Wicked are no joke. They're like Come the on, best. Craig, Jessup, you better work. Come on, Craig. Craig, Rob, Joyce, I mean, all all of them are incredible and I mean, Rob Harmon, who uh is one of the makeup artists who was kind of like a swing and he would come in um, on the tour and help us out sometimes and then became the the like main Broadway guy and then he moved to the hair department and he's kind of like all over the place he worked on Pose he's incredible um, but he did my he did my makeup for my wedding and I <laughs> I told him I was like yeah, yeah yeah so he was like so what do you want like do you want it to be really light and like and you know like very bridal and I was like no 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 I want you to paint me like you painted me as Elphaba just not green <laughs> I was, and he was like, okay. I was like, I want you to make me look like a drag queen. And he was like, yes. got it. <laughs> and he did. And it was great. Oh, my. You're like, honestly, actually, could you just do the green? I think that yeah. would work. Honestly, I'm fine with that because I've never felt prettier in my life when I have these, wow. like, purple cheekbones and lashes and, like, glittery uh, eyes and be- and perfectly, like, coiffed eyebrows and everything. I mean, yeah, it's... Everybody Amazing. looks good in that makeup too. Like there, yeah. every single every single person that puts it on mm-hmm. looks great in it, and it's because of those makeup artists. Joe Delude is an incredible makeup artist. Um, I got to work with him again doing JCS Live, the John Legend oh, yeah. um, JCS Live, and he he was the the um, the makeup supervisor on that. Um, and he's an incredibly nice guy, and will still pop in sometimes and do the Elphaba's makeup and stuff. And he he did my makeup um, a wow. couple of times and that was so cool because it's like this is the person the that created designer. this I mean yeah. my god you know and how many faces has he painted and now I get to like say that he did mine which is just so cool so that yeah is so I cool. have incredible respect for those makeup artists and they do I mean they really they make it work for your face there are different greens that they mix there are different mm-hmm. ways to put on the makeup for different skin types um, and they are so amenable to every kind of face type and color and, and, and everything. They're just, they're incredible people and, and they really make it work. So I, I have Love it. mad respect, mad respect for them. Totally. And also they made me, they made me feel beautiful. <laughs> so I asked Jackie Burns this question because I was, I'm dying to know about, um, the no fly defying gravity situation. <laughs> Did you ever have a no fly I think I probably had more no flies than almost anybody that I've ever heard who've played. No who's played way! The part. Oh I, my god! Tell even me when everything. I was when I was the understudy, my second time on ever was a no fly show, and oh a no bubble, god. and a no bubble show, and it was two understudies. So we were <laughs> we were like, oh okay, what do we what do we do? Like I, I don't. Oh my god! Because the second, especially for Glinda, uh, uh, sorry for Elphaba, the second cover like never gets to go on because it's all there's the standby. So sure. when you go on, it's like it's last minute. Like you are the only one left that can do it, and people mm-hmm. are stressed. And y- yes, you've been rehearsed, but you don't have the reps, and it's a totally different thing doing it in front of the audience with the smoke and the and the costumes and everything. Um, and I mean, I literally, I ran back to get into, and, and it happened in the middle of the show. So it, I didn't know about it because I was on stage. I ran back 
to go throw my cape over and clip myself into the the uh, the thing, and one of our crew members was there, and he was like, "It's a no fly. It's a no fly." And I was like, "What does that What does that mean?" And he was like, um, "What do you What do you mean? What does that mean?" And I was like, "I What do I do?" And he's like, "Just walk forward and sing." So I was like, "Okay." So <laughs> I'm having this conversation right before being like. It's not, it's not her. her. She has nothing to do with it. And I'm like, what do I do? He's like, I don't know. Just walk forward and sing. I don't, I don't know what the plan B is. And I was like, okay. So I did that. And what was even more hilarious about it was that because it happened mid-show, the ensemble didn't know either. Mm-hmm. So I'm walking forward and there's smoke everywhere. They can't really see that, that I'm walking. They think that it's the same as it usually is. And then I go, uh-huh. it's me standing on the ground. And all of my friends are looking around like, Oh, shit. So then they all just slowly start moving to the ground so that they're all lying flat on their backs, being like, look at her. She's wicked. Get her. To act like I'm flying. It was so funny. I I never got stressed about those shows because it's like, what do you do? I mean, people are going to be upset or they're not going to be upset. There's nothing you can do at that point. And honestly, it's easier to sing when you're standing on the ground as opposed to that, like... Teeny tiny little thing that you have to stand on when you're mm-hmm. flying in the air. So I always, I always liked those shows because it almost gave me like extra energy to make it, to make it like really good and really present. Worth um, it for them, yeah, yeah, worth it for them, sort of, yeah. Um, and also, it's just hilarious to watch all of these people in these hilarious costumes just like <laughs> laying flat on their backs, pretending that I'm flying, being like, get her. And yeah. I'm like, you you could. I'm right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, yes. my God. I, I've probably had, I mean, I, I've had probably tw- over 20 no-fly shows on, on the wow. road and on Broadway. It just, I was one of those people that, I don't know, was unlucky, I guess. But I always found it, I always found it fun. It was like. So when you say it what do you happened do? mid-show, are there shows that are no flies that you know ahead of time? It's not yes. going to go up. Yes. Oh, interesting. Okay. Rare. It's it rarely happens that way. Um, and they usually like sometimes it, they're like, we don't know what's going to happen. The bubble's not happening, so we'll see if we can fix it by defying gravity. And then sometimes they do, and then sometimes they don't. Um, gotcha. But generally, a no fly show is is a mid show thing. But there were a couple of times um, on the road that we knew beforehand and kind of bu- bubbled up, let's say as a company. Yeah. And we said, okay, this is what we're doing and whatever. And that, and that's it. Love so, it. um, yeah, but most of the time it was mid show. It's just, usually it wasn't right before defying gravity. Usually it was yeah. like, it's going to be a no fly show. And I had time to like prepare, uh-huh. um, for that. But, but yeah, it's w- wow. when that happened that first time I was like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to, what am I supposed to do? Like, <laughs> that is so funny. Oh, well. uh, oh my yeah. God. Yeah. So you do your incredible run as Elphaba and then how long do you, I mean, like, are you actively auditioning? Are you like, I need a moment to feel like a human before I go into a new show? I mean, like you, you got to do the original company of the first national tour of Finding Neverland. Like, yeah. how, how do you go about, like, taking time for yourself before you enter into something as big as that? Yeah, um, well, it's funny. When I actually, when I ended my Broadway contract, and at that point I had been almost consistently in the show for almost seven years, 
and I had ended my contract. Um, I had ended a big relationship. I had, I was going through a lot of changes and I literally like at my goodbye party that the company threw for me, I got a call from Wicked and they were like, Hey, can you fly out to LA tomorrow to play Elphaba? Because our, our, our Elphaba has, I think she had like bronchitis or something and you can't, I mean, there's just no way. And I said, no, I said no. Cause I was like, I need, I need a break. I can't, I I can't do this. And I, you know, I said respectfully, I, I, I need to take some time for myself. Um, Good for you. But any other time, like, please have me back. And of course they, they have since then. And that's been great. But yeah, I, I knew that I was like, I, I can't, I need to celebrate this moment in my life. I want to be able to have drinks with my with my company members. I want to be able to stay out all night. I want to be able to, I don't know, like go to dinner tomorrow at 6 p.m. and not worry right. about what I eat instead of mm-hmm. flying and playing this again. So so I, I, I respectfully turned it down. They were fine with it. I think Jenny Dinoy ended up going out there and doing that. Um, and then a few months later, Caroline Bowman um, had injured her neck, um, which is all of us have neck problems because it's all of us do. Of <laughs> and, um, and she had injured her, her neck. And so I ended up coming in and doing, I think, like four and a half months while she recovered. So I was oh. like, I didn't I didn't get to take as much of a break as as I wanted to. But yeah, I, I'm glad that I didn't fly to LA because then it would have been like no break and I think that I, I my body was tired and my voice was tired and I needed time. sure um so yeah I, I ended up going back and and doing that and a couple of times coming in as the standby one time I was called off my couch to play it that night after seven months of That's not crazy. doing it because they everyone was sick and um and is it is and, it like riding a bike like do you just hop back in and your body just knows how to do it Kinda, I mean, yeah, kinda. Even like, I mean, it was an entirely new cast of principals. I had, I still had a bunch of ensemble members that were in it, but it was. I had never met Carrie St. Louis. She was Glinda. Mm. We had never met. We literally met on stage. Oh um, my god! We didn't even get to say hi to each other before the show started. Um, I, I got to do it with Peter Scolari, the the late Peter Scolari, who is wow. just. I I love him so much, and um. Yeah, it was kind of like riding a bike. Uh, like, it was like riding a bike in torrential rain, like, down a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> like, it happened, but I was crossing my fingers. <laughs> so so um, what time did they call you? Uh, I think it was, like, five. Oh, and my I, God. And I was like, okay, I need to I need to just, like, go in and just walk around. And they were like, sure. And, and I was like, and I need to, I need to just run the quick changes. Like, cause there's one that's like less than 15 seconds and it's, it's just very choreographed. And so we did that. Um, and then I was in the chair getting painted green and the show was at seven and it, that was it. Oh my God. And Is that quick change a, the, the one short day one? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. It's, I can't it's even just imagine. very like, yeah. I mean, it's like you have to drop, you have to drop your bag. You are unzipping. Then you, you turn in a certain way. Someone like shoves water into your face. You put your, you know, you put your fingers up for the hat. It's, I mean, it's just like all of it is crazy. And crazy. so I wanted to run through that one. But um, yeah, I got through the show and it was really, I have a great story about Peter Scolari. Um, I was a huge fan of his and I was really nervous to do the show with him because 
he was just one of my acting idols. I just think he's amazing. And, um, and we didn't get to meet and I don't think that he got the memo that there was a new alphabet in the building that night. (laughs) So we got to the scene where, you know, he's not in the first part of the show. He's not in the Mm -hmm. show for like an hour and 40 minutes. And then, then it's defying gravity. It's the end of the first act. And so we're in, we're in the scene together and, something happened with the lines where something something got dropped and of course I assumed it was me and I was mm-hmm. mortified because it was like oh, this is Peter friggin Scolari and I'm <laughs> I just like messed up his show yeah so I got down from defying gravity instead of going to my dressing room I went right up to his dressing room and I profusely apologized I was like I'm so sorry that I I dropped a line I don't know which one it was and he looked at me dead in my eyes and he goes oh no sweetie that wasn't you I looked at you and I said who the fuck is this? And forgot everything that I was supposed to say. Oh, and I was no. like, I was like, oh, okay. He was like, you're doing great. <laughs> he was like, I'm Peter. I was like, I'm Christine. See you, see you in the second act. <laughs> like, oh just, my god. He was just like, no, I literally looked at you and I was like, I don't know who this is. <laughs> <laughs> That's wild. Like, but what a great. testament to just like your like <laughs> talent and natural just like ability to be like Sure, I can do it. Sure, I can do sure, it. I'll do I it. need to warm up yeah. for twenty minutes. Yeah, wow. yeah, that yeah. Is yeah. Amazing. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun, Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So, tell me about your experience, not only touring in a show like Finding Neverland, so beautiful, the score is absolutely stunning, you got to play Sylvia, which is such a beautiful role, but then... You got to do the national tour of Waitress as Jenna with your husband. Yeah. What is that like to book such an incredible role, but then to get to do it with your life partner? Like, what the Uh, hell? That's like a once in a lifetime thing. It really was. I mean, it was such a dream. And like, I mean, honestly, at that point, for most of our relationship, we had been long distance because we... We got, we were friends, we got together, we got engaged really quickly, and then I left to be on the tour. And so we, and and we had made lots of plans about him coming to visit me, and then he booked Waitress on Broadway. So then we were like, okay. Well, that's out. One one of us is going to have to, like, for 24 hours, fly to wherever, like, he's going to have to fly here, I'm going to have to fly home, and we're going to have to make this work so we see Mm -hmm. each other, because... For for literally twenty four hours, that that's the only time we had. Right. Um. And and I mean, we we did great, but I'm not gonna lie, it was really hard. I mean, that's just a, it, I was on the road for fourteen months, and of course. we just we barely ever saw each other, and we were living two separate lives. So 
once I got back and then, you know, found out about Waitress, I had auditioned for it a bunch of times. Um, and I basically, I got like a, a, a cold call after like six months of having, having had my last audition. And they were like, hey, by the way, do you want to come on the road? Also, we're going to have Matt come on the road as, as Earl. And I mean, we were in our kitchen and it was just like, it was so exciting. I mean, it was the most excited, it was the most exciting job that I have, I think that I've ever gotten because it just felt like the the years of hard work that we put into our relationship. He's been on the road a bunch of times. Like we, we both kind of felt like we've earned it. We've earned to be able to be together and do this show that we both love. And he had already been a part of, and I felt like I was a part of that community because I was always invited backstage. And Sarah Bareilles is like the best boss ever. She's so awesome. She's so nice. She's, she's, she's the kind of kind that, that she seems like she is online. Like none of that is put on. That is who she is as a human being. Wow. And, um, so she always invi- invited me everywhere. And we also did get to do, G- uh, JCS live together, which was, was awesome. Um, oh, that's and yeah, right. I forgot yeah. she did that show. Yeah. So the fact that the, the fact that they were kind enough to, to put us on the road together and, um, allow us to have that experience was incredible. And, you know, we didn't get to fall in love on stage, but we got to do some of the best scenes that I've oh, yeah. honestly ever been able to do. Um, that scene before she used to be mine is so brilliantly written, and mm-hmm. um, it's so it's so easy to say that material because it's so good that mm-hmm. in order that to do it with someone that I felt that comfortable with. I mean, right. we looked like a married couple because we were. We, yeah. I mean, we got married. We got married at the end of the tail end of that tour, but we we were comfortable like touching each other and grabbing each other in a way that made it look really dangerous and real. But yeah. because we're so comfortable with each other, it was like, it was so fun to really go there with somebody and, and not feel like we had to, I don't know, like talk oh. about it before we just got yeah. to like play around and mm-hmm. do these incredible scenes with each other. Um, you know, and we say it like, that's, we, we both say it, but that's like the best I've ever felt as an actor because we wow. got to do those things together. Like that's the most dropped in I've ever felt because I got totally. to do it with my best friend and I also got to do it with this incredible material um, and then sing this gorgeous music. I mean, the entire gorgeous. score is like yeah. insane. And yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's my favorite experience that I've ever had doing any show because I find it, it's so important. The subject matter is so important. There aren't, there haven't been too many shows other than waitress, I mean, there are now like now we have six and everything, and that's that's amazing. Um, but there weren't really many shows that were about that. The last three bows were women, women or female, you know, female identifying people. It's like that that mattered so much, and it wasn't about a love story. And you know, she ends the show as a single mom who owns a business, yeah. and she owns it with her best friends who have helped her through this time and like there just aren't there aren't shows like that it wasn't about romance it was about falling in love with yourself and I just I found that to be so rewarding to tell that story every day and to do something like my favorite song in the show is Soft Place to Land because it's Uh. about it's about this female friendship that it's like I hey I've got you you know like 
no matter what you're going through. Yes, yes, Dawn, you feel desperately insecure, but we're going to get you through this. We're going to we're going to brush your hair and we're going to make you feel beautiful. Like, yes, Becky, you you have to go home and you have to take care of of, you know, your your dying husband who who you have to change his diapers and you have to do all of that and like and and yes, you you are having an extra relationship, but you need that because you don't have because you don't have anything else and yes, Jenna, Jenna makes mistakes, I guess, but she's going through something unbelievably hard and yet still shows up for her friends. And I just, I love that. Again, it's just like rent. It's like that sense of community that I I feel is so important. Um, And it was just so fun to do that show. And then obviously to be on the road with my husband and my dog was like, Amazing. I mean, my, my dog see more of the country than most people. So, like... <laughs> well, I've asked. He does. He doesn't other even know. Couples. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I've asked other couples who have been in shows together. Um, I had uh, Harry Booby and Sean Allen Creel on the pod, and I asked them. Um, and so I wonder if, in a similar way, if you and Matt, um, were able to sort of like leave work at work, or were there things that you know, you would, would carry over into your outside life and would, would you talk about the show afterwards or, or like make new decisions and choices about it like together? Yeah, I think like, well, we're, I, I'm, I'm not really a person generally that, that, um, brings work home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I, and I think Wicked taught me that because I watched, especially being the understudy first, I watched a lot of girls take that take the pressure of that show home with them and it it's it's not worth it (laughs) so I I was lucky to have that experience so therefore when I got to play other roles that was like a thing that I made sure that I didn't do um all that to say there was (laughs) there was one time I remember we got we got in a fight in the morning and we didn't really resolve it and then we did the show and at the end of the show I went up to Matt and I was like you were meaner to me today during the scene and he was like, "No, I wasn't, Christine." <laughs> and he was like, "He was like, you're just thinking of that because we had a little fight this morning. I was not. I did this the exact same show that I do every day. I was not meter to you. I didn't do that." And I was like, "Okay." And then that was pretty much the only time that that ever happened. He was like, "You're being a little ridiculous." And no, I didn't. It's like, all right. He was like, "That's literally the scene. I'm supposed to be yelling at you." I'm like, "Got it." Uh, so. Oh yeah, you're right. Oh, right, right, right. Um, So I remember that happening exactly one time. Um, But yeah, we we definitely would talk about the scenes, but I think what the way that we we just happen to both work the same way, I don't really like to plan out stuff. Like, there are things that have to be consistent, obviously, and for safety reasons and whatever. But when it came to that scene anyways, I feel like we actually both felt very comfortable changing up the way that we did it sometimes sometimes he would like really really yell at me and then other times it would be kind of like it would be a more quiet intense like uneasy feeling sometimes I yeah and but it was cool like I I love that and I and I think maybe that comes from being an understudy too is Mm -hmm. like when when you're an understudy it's so you have a you have a job to do the show that they do every night, except that you're not that person. So the pressure is so hard. And I I found that I was way harder on myself as an understudy than I ever was when I took over the role because I I was trying to fit in with a show that I didn't have ownership over. Oh, I totally feel that. A hundred percent. And so I think like once I became, once I started to 
to like get leading roles, my favorite times were when the understudies were on. My favorite mm-hmm. time is when a swing is on. As long as you're safe and as long as you know what you're doing, like obviously, you know, you need to do you need to be you need to do a good job in the right it's, spot. It's hard. Yeah, in the right spot. Yeah, sure. But like, I love. I love when things are changed up. That's why I love a no-fly show because it's like, okay, at the end of the day, like, we can't be this hard on ourselves. It's a play. It's, it's a, a musical. Play. This is what we love, and this should be fun. And I, I loved when new people came on and played Earl in different ways. I loved when new Dr. Palmers would come on. I loved new Dons. I loved new Beckys. I loved when it was changed up. Mm-hmm. So I think what was cool about me and Matt, because he, like, he never – called out of that role really like I barely ever got to do it with other earls um when he was in the building but like we would do that consistently like during during the the show because because again he started as a swing I mean he covered mm-hmm. 20, 20 he covered 27 parts in in hair on Broadway when he started his oh career my god he, so we we are both very comfortable in those spaces where it's like this should be fun like we should treat this like a, a rehearsal almost where we just get to play with each other and like I also stuff. trust him as an actor. He trusts me as an actor. We're not gonna we're not gonna go so overboard that it doesn't make sense or that it messes someone up or whatever. Um, so I just I found that really really fun, and I felt like we didn't even really need to talk about it. It would just kind of happen, and then we wow. sometimes we would talk about it later where it was like, oh yeah, that moment was like really cool. Like you know you you did something different today that I, that actually really worked or whatever, and we would definitely talk about that. But. Um, but usually not beforehand. It, it usually sure. kind of happened organically on stage between the two of us, I think, which was, I, fi- I find very fun. Yeah, that's so cool. What an opportunity to be with your partner. That's just amazing. Well, Christine, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. Before I let you go, I have a series of musical theater rapid fire questions that I ask all of my guests. This okay. is not trivia. These are okay, personal good. questions just to you. Are oh, great, you ready? Great, great, great. Yes. Sondheim or Andrew Lloyd Webber? Sondheim. Sweatpants or jeans? Sweatpants. Do you have a favorite musical? Sweeney Todd. <gasps> Love. Do you have a mm, least into favorite the musical? Oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh, nope. In, into the Woods and Sweeney Todd are tied for first. Okay. <laughs> I will accept that. Do you have a least favorite musical? I don't believe in least favorite musicals. Work. I love that answer. Uh, would you ever like to do a Broadway play? Yes, desperately. Fabulous. Are you a morning person or a night owl? Night owl. Me too. Could you think <laughs> of the craziest thing a director has ever asked you to do? <laughs> um, you know, yes. Yes. Diane Paulus does this thing uh, where you have to come up with a backstory for your character and you have to present a 10 minute um, play basically um, in front of the entire company before uh, you. Yep. Before. Yep. So during finding Neverland, um, including all of the little kids had to create a backstory. You had to do an impression. You had to um, create an original song and you had to, use props and set a scene and there was at least one physical act that you had to do with another person in like not you know like a, a hug or whatever uh-huh. or a slap or something like that and she makes everyone do that um they had to do it in hair and we did it in finding neverland and it was 
It was so bizarre. <laughs> I, I love wow. Diane, but yeah. but I was like, wow, I've never done anything like this. What are we doing? <laughs> before. Yeah, so that would be it, I think. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. Um, golden age or contemporary? Contemporary. What is your favorite role that you've ever played? Jenna. Oh, in Waitress. Um, coffee or tea? Neck and neck. Iced green tea, iced coffee. Ooh, come on. She's got it. Um, what is the hardest show you've ever done? Wicked. <laughs> Fierce. <laughs> How about the favorite costume you've ever worn? Um, my favorite costume is the very, very last dress that Elphaba wears in the show. Uh, it's basically this like gorgeous black nightgown that has this beautiful train. It's the only time in the show where you're not like bound by something like a corset or like mm-hmm. a bunch of tights or like whatever. It's you've like finished the show and then you get to put on this like beautiful nightgown that is just I I I, I felt beautiful in it. I just loved it. And then do you have to change back into the actual gown for the bow? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They want to they want to make sure that, that you have as much quick changes as possible in that show. So yeah, there's, there's just, you 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 end a three hour musical, then you have to go directly into a quick change in order to bow. Yeah, that is so silly. Oh my god. Um, could you think of the silliest cast member from your time in Wicked? Oh, the silliest cast. Member. Or maybe the silliest Glinda. Oh well. Kara Lindsay is pretty silly. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. She is very silly. She is very silly. And we had such a great relationship. And and we're actually about to do a a reading together, which I'm really excited about. And um, she and I also work the same way, where she likes to change it up. And I would go along for the ride. So popular was different every day. And I loved it. (laughs) I love that. Um, have you ever missed an entrance? Yes. <laughs> yes, I have. In, in which show? I, um, I missed an entrance in Rent. I was at the St. Louis Fox Theater, and, um, there, it's, there's a very old elevator that, um, now when you go back on tour, they tell you do not use the elevator during the performance because sometimes it breaks down. I was all the way up on, like, the seventh floor dressing room, and there's this one part in the beginning. It's before that I, I before Maureen like makes her full entrance into the show, which way to the stage. Mm-hmm. But you're you're still in the show a couple of a couple of times, and you do um these like answering machine things. And yes. it was the first answering machine machine where she talks about over the moon and what she's going to do and where to go and whatever. I it was our first week, and I um I was. On the top floor, I realized that I wasn't going to make it down if I took the stairs. So I got in the elevator, and it broke down. And I was hearing when the beep beep happened, and then nothing else happened because I wasn't on stage. And my poor um, understudy, who hadn't even been rehearsed yet, so she didn't really know the lines yet. Her name is Hannah Shankman. She is actually the standby for Funny Girl um, on tour right now. Yeah, Uh, and she was my understudy in Rent. And she's on stage. She she her her thing was holding the um the answering machine on the platform, and I was supposed to be on the other platform saying the thing. And she was si- she's sitting there realizing that nothing's happening, and she's like, 
hi, this is Maureen. I'm doing a show tonight. It just starts making up something so that something happens. They get me out of the elevator and then I finish the show. But that was, that happened. Oh, boy. <laughs> God, I love Hannah. She's everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you have any pre-show rituals? Uh, I love, I, I definitely, I, I, I like to steam in the shower. That is a thing that is definitely my pre-show ritual. But, um, one of the things that I say that I find very important that I didn't do my whole career, but, um, I, it really helped me on Waitress was I get stage fright. I still do. I get nervous before every performance. I tend to say not so nice things to myself sometimes if things don't go perfectly I'm kind of a perfectionist in that way which is funny because I like to play around on stage but when it comes to me I'm very hard on myself Mm -hmm. um and I started saying a mantra before um before waitress every day out loud to myself that like I would be alone on stage the sugar butter flowers would start and I would say out loud this is going to go well because it always does wow and even if it didn't even if it wasn't perfect I've still said something positive to myself and put myself in a mindset of things going well. And that is, I especially with like Alphaba and stuff, there there would be times where my voice wasn't feeling great or whatever, and I'd, I'd be like, I'm so nervous. I don't know what's going to come out of my mouth. I don't know what, how Wizard and I is going to go. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it through the show. Mm-hmm. And then I would get myself to a point where it was like I was making it impossible for it to go well. So right. that that is a ritual that I have now, where I say I say I say it before auditions, I say it before performances, I say a, a kind thing to myself out loud, so that that's the last thing that I've said. Because the most important voices that you hear are the ones inside your head that are constantly spinning. And if you're not kind to yourself, then things aren't going to go well. Hell yeah, yeah. Well, Christine, my last question for you, which I ask all of my guests, is: What is one thing that you would tell baby Christine? One thing I would tell baby Christine, I would say, be as kind as you are, but be aware that people might take advantage of that kindness. Mm. And you have control over how that happens. That's what I would say. I would like, I would, I would have liked to learn that, that sooner than I did is, Mm -hmm. um, Okay, people are going to take advantage. How do you stick up for yourself in a way that is professional but also valuable to your mental health? And that's Absolutely. what I would say. Love it. Yeah. Well, Christine, thank you so much for being on the pod. I have been such a fan of yours for so long, and I am so excited that we finally got to chat. Um, Me too. Can you tell the listeners where they can find you and keep up with you on the socials? Sure. Um, I am C Teen Dryer. Yes, that is what it is. Yeah. I don't know why I did that, but Period. that's what it is. It's C T it's C T E E N D R Y E R um on on Instagram. I have a TikTok, but I don't make TikToks. I should start, but I mostly am on TikTok for, for the dogs. Um <laughs> but you can find you can find me on there, and maybe I'll start making some, and I'll I'll uh, do that. And then um, on Facebook, it's it's C Teen Dwyer, I believe. Love. But I mostly use Instagram, so that's where you should find me. 
And for the listeners, if if you do look up a video of Christine singing Defying Gravity, just make sure you're aware of your surroundings. Make sure there are not any light bulbs that you could smash in your general vicinity. Because or you do will it be on overcome. purpose. Or do it. Honestly, I should have just owned it and been like, yeah, and what? I'm listening to Christine Dwyer, bitch. Exactly. But Christine, I just adore you. Thank you so, so much. Thank you so much. This was such a blast. And and thank you for everyone who's listening and keep listening to this podcast. Jake is amazing. And I'm just, I'm pumped to be here. Thank you. You guys, that's it for another episode of Oh My Pod, you guys. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe anywhere you listen to the pod. Seriously, you guys, it helps the algorithm so much if you leave a review, even if it's like, I don't know. I like this podcast. Whatever. And... You can follow the show on Instagram at Oh My Pod, you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Talk soon. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.